comes louder. He's one on one with Hemsley, and Hemsley blocks it. Mitchell spins on Childs, and one. Cal up top, Shepard. Shepard was asking for it for three. Watson, and a foul! This is a clinic. This is Aztec basketball. Wow, what a shot. And this is the Aztec Breakdown Podcast. My name is Austin Bolton, and co-hosting with me today is the man, the myth, the legend himself, Trone. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at It's Austin Bolton and Aztec Breakdown. If you want to use my Twitter bio to sell t-shirts or anything, just give me a shout. I'll probably say yes, but uh, another story for another day. Um, but yeah, go ahead and rate, like, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can find Carly at Car Car McGee, Kyle at Call Me Kinslow, Jacob at Aztec Analytics. We were all on a real good one last night after the uh, win against New Mexico. Tron, how, how you feeling this morning? You know, um, my doctor said I'm supposed to avoid stressful situations. Um, and I'm starting to think I might need to avoid watching Aztec basketball games if I want to listen to my doctor. But then also, I would miss the amazing moments. And I think it's worth it, even if it shaves a couple years off my life. I think it'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, was... Uh, it, was, it was a good night. It was worth staying up late for. I was, I was you know, during the weeknights, I can't watch the late games that start at eight or nine o'clock my time right because i'm in mountain time because i have to wake up at five the next morning to to get ready for work so i can't watch those ones and i was like man i wish they would have the good games like the colorado state game on the weekend and then the ones where they lay the eggs as few as they may be on the games that i can't watch and then it ended up being all worth it in the end and it was it was wonderful it was great man when i when i lived in boston i it'd be like 10 11 o'clock at night where i'd be like oh i'll just watch the first half it'll be fine i'll just watch the first half and then that's the game that goes to double overtime and i end up staying up for it and i get like five hours yep. of sleep so yeah i totally get it um so the aztecs beat new mexico 73 71 i mean huge game Tron, what's your headline from the game i think my headline would be something along the line of like Lamont Butler exercises his demons or something like that. I think just just the redemption story, I'll get into a, a little bit more detail later, but the obvious things of like, you know, him blowing Arkansas, and I even hate saying him blowing Arkansas because it's a team effort, but, but to whatever extent he contributed to the Arkansas game being blown, I feel like this helps make up for that. Like he, he ended up bringing the team back in this one. It was a total role reversal and, and what a great guy for it to happen to um so that's that's my headline what's yours i mean just to kind of steal the cliche one but the butler did it it's kind of it's kind of right there i mean everybody yep, yep, i mean yep, everybody yep. from the cbs guys i know they got the t-shirt that says it i mean it's pretty obvious but i mean it was just i just it couldn't happen to a guy that works hard i mean phil phil scott the, his shooting coach put a video out of him this morning basically practicing that shot over and over and mm -hmm. over again and it's just mm -hmm. it's nice to see like you know these guys work their work their tails off and just to see the work come through in a big moment like that has got to be hugely satisfying for everybody involved yeah yeah i saw that video this morning and i thought you know what when i was coaching basketball my players couldn't take any shot that they hadn't worked on in practice like if you take a shot you didn't work on in practice, you're getting benched. That's just that's just what it is. I'm I may not have been as easygoing as Coach Dutch is rumored to be on offense. Um, so like watching that, it was like yeah, that makes perfect sense. He's allowed to take that shot in that case. So that was that was great to see. I I also love that he made the adjustment that the play was supposed to be for him to get to the basket, 
but he recognized that they just basically clogged the lane on him, and he didn't try to force the issue of getting to the basket. In the Arkansas game, Matt Bradley, although I think he got fouled, he kind of forced himself to get to the basket where there was a million bodies around him. And if he maybe just pulled up, maybe he gets a little bit better of a look there. But to have that court awareness to be like, you know what? The lane is clogged. This is a shot I practice all the time. I mean, that was a total, you know, hand down, man down situation. Mashburn didn't even get a hand in his face, and he just had a, just the cleanest look that he could get f- from that spot right there. So, yeah. So kind of yeah, just getting into it. I mean, let's look, go, going down the box. I mean, Lamont Butler, four for eleven from the field, ten points. Uh, he had two assists and three turnovers. Not great, but when it mattered in money time, he was right there. Yeah, any, yeah. Any thoughts on just Lamont's overall total game? I think, I mean, he's been, like, there are arguments that he's been the best player on the team for, for basically the season, right? And the Arkansas game, I think, I think tarnished that reputation. But there's arguments that could be made for that. On this game specifically, one thing that was pointed out to me that I didn't realize live within the flow of the game, not only did he hit that that last shot to win the game but the one that Micah Parrish hit to put the team up four with like 20 seconds left or whatever like Lamont Butler one of his two assists was that pass so like he saw that they were way off of him and that he's in that left corner that we know he can hit those shots in like he had the wherewithal in this moment up one 20 seconds left to get the ball to a guy who can hit that shot um so his stamp was all over the end of the game. It wasn't just the game-winning three, but but the one that should have put it out of reach to begin with, the three, he had the assist on. So uh, very high-level play from Lamont showing showing his uh, ability to, to impact the game in a multitude of ways. He's, he's just he's – just he's, the, he's the straw that stirs the drink. You know, he really is. And when he's off, the team struggles. I mean, look at look at the Fresno game. Like, we pulled that one out of a hat. But, like, those guys did not have their best games. He was very obviously tired from Trammell getting thrown out of the game before. And, like, they really they really struggled. And, like, you know, when he's when he's rolling and, and Darian's rolling too, which we'll get to here in a second, like, it just makes everything flow so much better. Yeah. So yeah. speaking yeah. of I mean, Darian Trammell, college basketball uh, if it wasn't for – Right. Yeah. It's a guard. It's a guards game. Guards win. Yeah. Guards win games in March. Like everybody, everybody yep. knows that. I mean, so speaking of Darian Trammell, I mean, if it wasn't for Lamont Butler hitting that shot, this would have been the Darian Trammell game. I mean, yeah. he came out of nowhere to get. I think he had 18 points. He was six for 15 in shooting, but he was four for nine from the three. You know, he really had a tail of two halves. I mean, he couldn't he couldn't hit the ocean from the beach in the first half, and then just got on fire in the second half and. I like how he kind of adjusted his game in the second half. I, you know, I thought he was getting too. He was trying to get within the, within the paint too much, and that's just at this level, it's just not there for him. He's too small. You know, New Mexico's too big. It's not. It's not his fault. But I like how he kind of readjusted his game. He had a couple really nice pump fakes where he just didn't just kind of instead of going into the lane, just kind of sidestep for three. But you know, I've been fairly critical of Darian just like it just hasn't quite been there for him this season like we thought it might be but man he proved proved me wrong proved proved all the naysayers wrong he was so freaking amazing in the second half last night he was he was really good especially considering I think it was the first three three point shots he took he missed all of them and they were all if I recall correctly like pretty wide open like they were fantastic looks 
and he just bricked every single one of them. And I, I, I was thinking to myself, it's kind of funny that like the wide open catch and shoot ones are the ones he's missing. And then the ones where he has to up fake, the guy flies by sidestep, shoot that three, like the much harder degree of difficulty shots are the ones he's making. I thought that was, that was interesting, but he's, when he's on, this team is going to be really hard to beat. And I think I didn't watch the Colorado state game, but looking at the box score, it looked like that kind of started to like get his gears going again. And then this game was like really the coming out party. I have that, that composite metric that I share. And in the non-conference Tramel was like a top 10 player in the conference. Cause he was hot. And I remember tweeting out probably like at least once a game that like he has that dog in him. Cause he would just hit these clutch shots and then through conference play, it's just been missing. But it was very good to see that again tonight and hope for or last night, I should say. And hopefully, uh, hopefully it stays because this team is different if he's able to hit those shots. Yeah, I mean, it just it just provides so much more spacing when he's hitting shots yeah. and just, mm-hmm. you know, more driving lanes for Bradley, uh, you know, more for KJ. Um, it just it just creates a different dynamic. And they and they quite frankly need they need him to hit shots. I mean, for them to make any kind of run, they need they need him to hit shots because Yep. He's a natural scorer. I think he's more of a natural scorer than Lamont is. Lamont's, Lamont's a good scorer, and he obviously had a ton of points in high school. But, I mean, Darian, Darian's a bucket getter. And when he's on fire, I mean, just his, the, when he was feeling it in the second half, those threes weren't, like, barely going in. They were snapping the net. He was feeling it. He was in rhythm. And, um, you know, just let's just – now we just got to hope he builds on it, right? So – all right, I think the, the first half kind of hero in the first half was Matt Bradley. He played 30 minutes, 5 for 15 from the field. Um, he had 11 points, but he, he got some really he, – he just makes such hard baskets. Like, all the shots he makes are just so incre- – like, the level of difficulty are so hard. But we needed every one of those points in the first half because he just – you know, he was just making long twos in his face. You know, they said they did it a couple nights where they set him a really good screen and he was able to kind of get to the free throw line. But, mm-hmm. you know, we needed we needed every bit of Matt Bradley there in the first half. Yeah, he's hitting. He's hitting. I think his first shot was a step back over over Alec. That's I think how you pronounce his name. Right. Dude, he's like six, eight. And they put him on him for the length and the defense. And, and he was still able to hit that that first shot. And yeah, the first half, I think his, his stats in the first half where he was like nine points on seven shots. And in the second half, the shot stopped falling, but that's when he got all those assists was in the second half. So he was able to, like, do whatever the team needed uh, to, to get the win, which was which was great. You'd, you'd definitely like to see more efficiency there game-wide. But, but yeah, when you, win by, when you win by one, every point counts, and he was hitting some very tough shots. He hits these shots, and I'm just like, Matt Bradley, why are you here? Go, go yeah. play pro. Like, if you're yeah, hitting those shots, go play pro. But yeah. also stay here. We like you. You know, eleven points, seven assists, five rebounds. I mean, that's like just just sort of all around, just an all around yeah. good game for Bradley. And he really is a good facilitator when he wants to be. And he got kind of rolling mm-hmm. there in the second half. Um, but no, it's great. It's great to see him. Like, just you know, he's just so multi-dimensional now. I think that's a little bit different than last year. Also, though, but with last year, we we needed him to be singularly focused on scoring the ball because they just couldn't do it as well. And just yep. kind of adding the dynamic of being a playmaker. And just changing his game with how much more offensively efficient this team is. Like, I mean, kudos to Bradley on just being, uh, you know, figuring it out with these guys. So, uh, two more guys I just want to touch on. First was just Keisha Johnson. Um, he was four for seven from the field. He had nine points. He had a stretch in the second half, though, where he was so important. He had a three, just an awesome-looking mm-hmm. three. Mm-hmm. He had, then he got a steal when, he was, when they were trying to get you Daisy to back him down. 
where he then got a steal. And then I want to say there was a third play that he had kind of all, oh, it was a little jump hook. They got him kind of in the post and he hit a little, hit a little floater. And just like, he always finds these funny ways to put fi his fingerprints all over these games. And once again, just in that stretch of the second half, you know, I just, you know, KJ was excellent. Yeah, yeah, that three specifically, you know, the team is still down. And I think they're making a comeback at that point, but the team is down. And I'm like, you got to play smart. You have to, you know, take the good shots that are going to help you chip away at this lead. And he's hoisting up for the three. And I'm like, that's not it. That's not how you get this, they catch up and take this lead back. And then he drained it. And I was like, you know what? Don't listen to me. There's, there's a reason you know, I'm he here does on the couch work on shot so hard, and it's good to see yeah. him go in because he does work really. I mean, you know, they post all those, you know, you see all the videos of it. And he works on that shot; it just hasn't fallen. Absolutely, yet. it's but it, you know, and that was another one. That was a confident shot that just snapped the net. So, just uh, you know, kudos to the work coming through for Kashad there. But and then I just also wanted to touch on Micah Parrish, who, you know, he was uh, 20 minutes, three for five from the field, seven points. I mean. Up until Bradley, or I'm sorry, Butler shot. He hit the biggest shot of the game on the on the left wing there. He loves that left yep. side. I mean, just awesome stuff from Parrish. And he had he had that other three that the refs counted as a two, even though his feet were clearly behind the line, right? So it should have been three for five, eight points, but but the refs cost him. Which luckily that didn't come back to bite the Aztecs, right? Because that could have been, you know, tie game overtime after that house layup at the end. Uh, if it had been counted right, but it wasn't. So if, if Butler doesn't make that shot, it's, it's just a loss instead of overtime. But luckily it didn't come back to, to haunt them. How did they not call that in? That was crazy. I, 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 I don't understand how that wasn't called in. Like, hey, you have to look at this. Like, it, was, it wasn't even that close. I, yeah, I, I don't know what the official procedure is for the refs. My guess would just be that the ref was like, sure, that he saw toe on the line. And so... If somebody was like, hey, do we need to look at that? He's like, no. I like, I for sure I saw it. And he was just so confident about it that that they didn't Cause don't decide they to look ref? at it. Don't they have a ref at the table to look at some um, of that stuff? Or like be like the official, like with that's not actually on the court? Yeah, maybe. I, I honestly don't know. It's it's probably something I should I should look into more just out of curiosity's sake, honestly. But yeah, I, I don't know. But that's the only thing I could think of is that the guy was so sure, right? That, yeah they're like that he was like no there's no point in looking at it let's just keep going but i will say you want yeah, to talk about know. another guy that has a dog in him is parish he posted a hilarious video of them leaving the court where they're all just yelling at him to go home and he is just embracing it loving it just loving the <laughs> hatred coming from the new mexico fans and it was it was good stuff yeah i i, I will go home absolutely that's what i was gonna do already guys i don't know why you're yelling at me that's that's i won and now i'm leaving that's how this works you, you, you do you do realize we live in san diego and we want to get out of albuquerque yeah. as quickly as possible Hence why we used one of our charters this season to literally get us out of here as fast as possible yeah yeah i feel like new mexico is one they usually charter from i don't know that that's actually true but i feel like it's pretty common for them to at least charter out of New Mexico, if not into New Mexico. Yeah, they, they usually do it, I think, when they have a really quick turnaround like they do. I mean, I know mm -hmm. they try to do it mm -hmm. to Laramie and to, and to Colorado yeah. Springs, some, you know, some of the places that are kind of farther away from major, major airports. Definitely. Um, but when they do have the quick turnaround, I know that they like to do it just to get, get back home or whatever. So For sure. All right, so moving on to uh, Homer and Hater. If you're new here, it's just an irrational take, both positively and negatively. Trone, do you, do you have a Homer for us today? 
Sheesh, man. Homer take, I think, is uh, Lamont Butler is the best point guard to ever play for San Diego State. Hands down. It's not an argument. And uh, this team is making the Final Four because they showed that they have that dog in them. They came down from like 11 or whatever the score was, right, on the road in in what I think, you know, much to the chagrin of a lot of Aztec fans, I think I read something somewhere that they measured the decibel level of all the Mountain West arenas, and the pit was like the loudest, and I don't think it was particularly close. So like very hostile environment, and they were able to overcome everything and get the win. And and to a certain extent, exercise those late game demons as well. So like this team, this team's going to the final four. That's the irrational take. Absolutely. I mean, Evan Mia's got us. Did it, was it all the way to the final four, or was it to the lead? I know he had. I know he had a couple of his uh, his, he, yeah. his uh, simulations out there. Yeah, he has his. Uh, he has Evan. Is it Mia? I think it is Mia. I always want to say Maya. Evan Mia. He has on his website. He has. You can simulate the March Madness bracket just to see different whatever i don't know it doesn't really it's not really worth anything it's just fun to do and in one of the ones that he posted i think the aztecs made the elite eight they lost to ucla who was the eventual champion so yeah it's definitely possible i think i was looking at torvik earlier and torvik had the aztecs at it was like a 47 percent chance to make the sweet 16 and like a three percent chance to win it all so there's a chance you're saying there's a chance there is a chance. I mean, it's so wide open this year. I mean, look how many number one teams keep losing. Purdue lost again. Yeah. Houston lost when they got up there. Alabama, you know, it's just, you know, the, the transfer, you know, people hate on the transfer portal, but the one thing it's done is kind of reshuffle the deck a little bit, and it's made a lot of teams really good where guys kind of go and find a better fit for them, and there's just a lot of good teams out there. I think Even when I think get the into, COVID like, year the hundreds of Ken, into, the, you know, the 1 to 120s of Ken Palm, like, those are still some pretty decent teams in there. Yeah, I think I think the COVID year too, getting like more veteran players and letting them stay around and, and do stuff as opposed to forcing them out, I think has also contributed to that as well. Yeah, there was some hilarious post about Adam Seiko be having been on the Aztecs through three presidents or something like that. <laughs> just just because he's been is around it? for so long, but uh, it is. I think it is three twenty sixteen, right? Yeah, he which he is, was which here. Is... His first year was twenty eighteen, but he redshirted that year. Oh, he I came he in. He came in with Mitchell and Shackle. Was his first. Oh, you're yeah. right. You're right. He, he, he came in. He came in with Mitchell and Shackle, but he redshirted the first year. So like his freshman year was eighteen nineteen, and that would have been. Oh, maybe it's only been two then. But either way, it's still it was still funny. Oh no, there. you're right. Yeah, yeah, just two presidents. Uh, yeah, history's hard. But uh, I to, your, to your point on the pit, according to Ken Palm, it's the tenth hardest place to play in the country, and the Aztecs are like in the seventies. Yeah. So. Ken, Ken, Ken yeah, Palm I mean, agrees they, with they just get, kind of the, the yeah, point. They get, they get the noise when the team is good, at least, I think. I think if they're not super good, I think obviously that, that changes things. But when the team is good and when it's like last night, when it's been sold out for a month or whatever, and the crowd is rocking and the elevation aspect in there and the whole deal, yeah, it's a hard place to play. All right, so my homer is just that. I think that was the biggest shot in Aztec history last night. I can't really think of another one that would be so significant. We never really hit a buzzer beater in the conference tournament that I can think of, and that basically clinched the regular season title. So that's the biggest shot in San Diego State basketball history. I mean, it's obviously a super small sample size because we don't get a ton of buzzer beaters <laughs> to begin with. I mean, the last one was Flynn three years ago, but yeah. you know, kind of thinking back through the course of even, I mean, I've been around basically since 2005, 
you know, that's the biggest shot I can think of, and we were terrible well before then. So it's the, I think it's the biggest shot in San Diego State history. Yeah, I think the only... I don't remember for sure if it was a buzzer beater, right? And then we could get into a large, like a debate, which we aren't because it's in rational takes. There's no point, but we get into a debate of like, if you make the shot and there's one second left, but it still wins the game, does that still count as a big shot, right? I think there was one, I can't remember if it was buzzer beater or if it was one of those like one second left shots, but Jamal Franklin hit a three in the conference tournament against Boise State. Oh, when that's it was right. Still like, I do remember that. It was that. still an eight-team eight conference. So it was like the first round, I think. Or maybe it was an eight-team conference that year. But it, it was like the first round the Aztecs were playing in. And so like they almost lost to the eight-seeded Boise State Broncos. And Jamal Franklin pulled it out. But you didn't get a championship for that. Yeah, you didn't get a championship for so, that. So, I mean, I think your point still stands. Yeah. All right, Trump, give me, give me a hater take. Hater take. Um, hater take. This team just stumbled into a dub out of just sheer dumb luck. They tried everything they could to give it away between Nathan Mensa fouling a three point shooter, uh, between Darian Trammell throwing the ball, giving it away on the second to last possession there. Like they, they were trying as hard as they could to give it up. And it was just. just as Professor McGonagall would just say, sheer dumb luck that they pulled out the dub. Dub. So that would be the irrational hater take. Yeah, I mean, it had. There was, you know, Ziegler talked about this in his recap article, but there was some major Arkansas vibes until Lamont kind of erased all of that. But just mm-hmm. like, you know, they gave up five points in the last ten seconds. They mm-hmm. threw the ball away. I mean, that. I mean, Darian had it. He didn't have to pass it. He had the he had the angle to get yeah. it up there. I don't know. You know, he didn't. He just didn't need to pass that. But no, you're right. I mean, he didn't need to. And I think. I mean, realistically, I think that play. It wasn't a great play by Darian, but I think it was more so an example of just a better play by Jalen House because he was House was behind Darian, right? So Darian can't see him. So he thinks there's an open lane there. So. You know, he doesn't need to pass it up, so it's still a bad play by Darian, but I think it's, it's more so a better play by House in that regard. Um, the Mensa fouling so was just bad. The foul was House, bad. Yeah. But, I mean, to House's credit, man, that dude, is, that dude is lightning fast, and he is all He's over the place. And I think their real. speed is what gives the Aztecs so much trouble on offense, especially in the first half. It's not necessarily so much the length, even knowing they did put Alec on, on Bradley. But just mm-hmm. the, how fast they close out on these guys, like I think that's I think that's really the biggest wrench that they throw at the Aztecs from an offensive perspective. Yeah, and it's not just straight line speed too. It's like they're very agile. They're very good at changing their directions, and they can go over screens and under screens, and always stay with you. And and House, you know, I've I've shown House a lot of respect as a basketball player this year, much to the chagrin of a number of Aztec fans because he's. He, he showed last night to be kind of a crybaby a little bit, um, leaving without doing the handshake line and and just not, not a great look on his part. But, like, as a basketball player, he's really good. And I think it's important to, like, separate those two that, like, you know, he is, you know, 21, 22. He has some growing up to do. That's fine, whatever. But, like, he's a really good basketball player, and and that, that can't be overlooked, I don't think. He, he just... 
he just he knows how to use his body in the right way. I mean, look how he mm-hmm. fended off Nathan when he took that ball to the basket. A lot of guys would have got that that shot just absolutely destroyed by him, but just the way that he yep. he kind of used his body as kind of a shield to be able to get it up and get past Nathan. I mean, that was that was an insanely hard layup that he made after that steal, and the fact that he got it over Nathan and just was able to use his body in a way to kind of just wiggle, you know, slither his way to the basket. I mean, he he really is. I mean, he's he's probably the best player in the league this year. Just from like an overall, he's such a good shooter. He's so fast and he's so great defensively. And, he, and the impact that he overall has on his team. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's, it's much of a question. Where, where is he on your composite metric? He's like third, right? I think right now he's second. He was first for a long time. Um, he missed a couple games, which can affect it because one of the metrics minutes played is like one of the inputs. So that probably didn't help. And I think he just had a stretch where he was like good, but not great. Um, or maybe even like great, but not elite. And so he moved down slightly and Ashworth passed him. Um, and I haven't updated it for like a week or so. So um, it's just it's just hard to update all the metrics and get it all running. But yeah, last I checked, he was second. Yeah, and Ashworth and Ashworth isn't near the defensive player that House is. No, like Ashworth's number no. metrics are so high because he's so he's so good offensively, but his defense yeah. is very average. House is a way more well-rounded player than Ashworth is. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Ashworth is just he's stupid good on offense. He, I, I make the comparison. The last person to have his type of numbers in like the different metrics that I use for that was, was Jimmer Fredette, like super elite offensively and just average at best defensively. Um, Ashworth, obviously not at Jimmer Fredette's level, but just like, he's so good offensively. He can score, he can pass and he does it all efficiently. He's, he's ridiculous. So the, the, the metric says his offense is good enough to make up for the average at best defense. But yeah, the, the argument that house is the best player is definitely a valid one. All right, so I think my hater is just, and we'll kind of lead into the next segment, is that the, the bad habits that we saw in the first half is the reason why the Aztecs could get knocked out in the first round as well. I mean, the, the, the variance of their, of their ceiling to their kind of their root, you know, just the both sides of it are, are pretty wide. Like, when they're at their best, they can absolutely the Final Four. When they fall into their bad offensive habits, they could definitely lose in the first round. And the first half... Um, offense that the Aztecs showed, I mean, that's, that'll get you bounced in March for sure. Yeah. Which was a bummer because they started off pretty solid. Like the first, the first TV timeout, they were good. And and I don't know if New Mexico made an adjustment or if they just started playing harder or what the deal was, but New Mexico came out and was able to shut it down. And the Aztecs, like you said, fell into some, some bad habits, didn't handle that adversity until after halftime. So hopefully that doesn't happen again for the next nine games hopefully (laughs) the thing the thing about new mexico that i kind of pointed out at halftime on twitter last night was you really have to score against new mexico because then you can set your defense and the Aztecs really needed to be able to set their defense so when they were scoring early they could kind of get back but as soon as they got on a dry spell they just they just bolted up the court and they were playing at this at the pace that they wanted to and they all of a sudden it was like a 16 to 4 run or whatever it was and that was like a two minute span so yeah. talking about the first half to second half offense, kind of segueing in there, what did, did you, was there anything in particular that you saw from just like an adjustment standpoint or did they just decide to start moving around and passing the ball? 
I mean, live, for me at least, uh, other people, maybe it's easier, but for me, when I'm watching the game live, it's kind of hard to discern that stuff. I like to watch the game like two or three more times to try and to try and figure it out. It definitely seemed um, like the ball was moving around more in the second half, like they were trying to find ways to kind of exploit New Mexico's aggression on the defensive side. I think some of it was also just a matter of like three point shots starting to go in like those like contested or not if those go in the offense looks a lot a lot different right overall so i think i think that was some of it but it it seemed like they were trying to yeah find ways to to counter the aggression similar to like in football you know if if uh the team is has having a big time pass rush you run a draw play right that way the defensive line is all behind you and you just run the ball right by him kind of kind of stuff like that matt bradley definitely kind of realized partway through the second half he's like you know what my shot isn't falling tonight so let's figure out how else to do this started getting those assists so that was great um i think this team just needs to like realize how much focus it takes sometimes to play at their their best level um which isn't something i say lightly because everybody wants to win right so everybody's coming in with a certain amount of focus but i think there's a level between when they're you know kind of focused and they know they can win versus like when they are locked in and dialed in i think that's probably the biggest difference maker between like when they're winning close games late versus when they they're giving up 10 point leads you know which obviously wasn't the case last night but that's what i've seen i mean colorado state was the closest thing that they've had to like the high intensity all mm-hmm. game long don't let up you know they pressed until there was three minutes to go um and mm-hmm. I, I think that i think you know the coaches the coaches take a lot from our fan base but i think they they have made some pretty good adjustments on that front of like you know getting the guys out earlier to warm up kind of tactically doing things to make sure that they're engaged, like just with the press and just like ways to just like make sure it, what they're doing requires a little bit of extra focus. And I, I definitely saw that in Colorado State. I mean, look how they closed the game last night. I mean, other than the, the last 10 seconds, which were, you know, just mm-hmm. maybe playing a little too hard or getting a little cute with yeah. it with the Mensa yeah. foul and the Tramel turnover. I mean, those get in the second, I mean, in the second half of, the in the second half of the game i'm sorry the second half of the second half so the fourth quarter <laughs> Ken, Pong, Ken Pong does it into into quarters yeah. they, the aztecs won 26 to 15. so that's about as best of a 10 minute stretch from a points perspective that i could really remember all season against a really good defense and it just shows i think it just shows how locked in they really were for that stretch of the game yeah I, I what I've likened it to recently, I I play a lot of chess and within the first couple moves I can tell I feel like I can tell at least if you're somebody that I need to worry about or not. Right? And if you're not somebody I feel like I need to worry about, I don't focus nearly as hard, right? And I do that because I don't need to worry about you. Usually it's going to work out. But every once in a while, somebody will do like a really bad opening move. And I'm like, okay, I don't really need to pay attention to this. And I just kind of do stuff. And then I'm like halfway through the game. And I'm like, oh no, this is really bad. I need to figure out a way out of this. So like, I think it's a really easy trap to fall into. Um, these guys are division one athletes. You hope that they have more mental toughness than me playing chess. Uh, but I, I mean, to your point about the coaches, if you've worked with other people before, you know that you can't make them do what you want them to do, right? There's ways you encourage it. There's ways you, you, you know, you try to, uh, 
like reward it and, and things like that, but you can't you can't force it to happen, right? So ultimately, it focuses the issue. What it comes down to is the players just need to realize that they need to be focused for for the full 40 minutes right and players can like bench guys for not being focused or coaches can bench guys for not being focused but that's not going to guarantee that they're going to be focused next time and there's no guarantee that the guys coming in are going to be focused right like there's no guarantees when you're working with other people so ultimately it comes down to the players and it seems like there's a trend that like they're realizing that as well hopefully that's kind of what it seems like to me so hopefully that bodes well for the future here it's, it's something they're pretty self-aware about. Like, if you listen to any of the interviews, especially after some of those games where they kind of gave up leads, where they were up big and, you know, mm-hmm. and then they kind of, teams kind of crawled back a little bit. Like, they're pretty self-aware of the whole thing, so, yeah. which, is, which is good. Like, you don't want to then be like, no, that's, that's not, that's garbage. Mm-hmm. That's not true. Mm-hmm. Like, they do seem to have some self-awareness around it, which is good. But, um, no, I think, you know, I thought in the first half, you know, just from a tactical standpoint, I mean, the Aztec, I mean, obviously they were down 10, they weren't great, but in the second half, they really, they really figured something out and all the coaches and the players, you know, really got aligned and really were on the same, you know, all on the same page. And I mean, the results show themselves. So I, I have a question for you. Do, you. do you think the four free throws, so there were, there was only four free throws and Darian took them all in the first half. Do you think that was a function of a little bit of home cooking? them getting away from the inside-out play that they've kind of been playing more or less and just settling for jumpers, you know, do you think there's a root cause on the lack of free throws? You know, I, I mean, I don't think anything is ever just one thing, right? So to an extent, was there some home cooking? Definitely could have been, um, slash probably was, right? It's, it's hard to know, I think, for any individual call a ref makes to what extent it might be like you know i don't want to upset the fans versus like was it just they made the bad call because they're human and they make mistakes um i think there probably was was some degree of of you know whatever type of unconscious bias because they're playing in in new mexico my biggest examples were uh when when Jamal Mashburn fell over shooting a mid-range shot and Ladee was contesting the shot and on replay I didn't think Ladee touched him at all but Mashburn fell over and so they called a foul on Ladee when it should have been a flop right and nobody touched him so he's falling to like accentuate the contact that was not there so that should be a flop at least a non-call and uh, they called a foul on Ladee and then later Udezi lowers his shoulder and pushes Johnson over and they call a flop on Johnson. And like, I was like, you know, maybe Johnson didn't need to fall there, but like falling, the players fall because refs don't make the call unless a player falls. Like that's the ref's fault for doing that. That's the biggest problem with the, with the charge block call is that charges aren't called unless a player falls. And that's not what the rules say. So like the dichotomy of those seemed very much like that could be some home cooking, but also like you pointed out, like the Aztecs weren't going to the rim a lot. They were settling for a lot of those like free throw line elbow jumpers. Matt Bradley hit a couple of those. Lamont took a couple of those. I don't remember if he made any, but those weren't even the only ones. And then the three point shooting in the second half got really hot, right? They took almost half of their shots were three point shots. So if you're doing that, you're not going to draw a lot of contact, right? So I think it's probably a combination. I don't know to what extent it was one way or the other. Um, you know, refs are human. They're going to make mistakes, but 
also there are some calls like the like the three point that we brought up earlier, the three point shot that Parrish had, like that one should that shouldn't be a mistake that is kept because it's so easily reviewed. So that could have been another home cooking thing. It's it's always gonna be a combination. It's just a question of to what extent it is one way or the other. And I don't think there's any accurate way for us to answer that question as as upsetting as that is. It's funny. It's funny how much optics make make or break a foul call because in the Colorado State game it was the same thing when Mensa picked up that foul like two minutes the second foul two minutes in the game he got the guy in such a bad position where he like kind of was like flailing over and then like threw the ball like shot the ball up and it hit like the underneath part of the rim and it just looks so bad that's like oh there's no way he wasn't fouled there so they kind of called the foul mm-hmm. and like he didn't even touch him and it's just it's just funny how like optically can just like really like, I, I ref for a long time. Like, sometimes it's just, it looks so funny. There's, like, there's no way with how close they are that he didn't bump him with how, with how the, the end result ended up. And it, sometimes it just, it's just missed like that. If you have a particular angle where you can't see the, the space in between the two players, like, it, it definitely happens. Like, the refing, you know, the refing has its issues mainly because they make them ref, that those guys ref too many games and they're fatigued. I yeah. think that's been pretty well chronicled. Like, but, you know, I think, well, last night was fairly, fairly even, but you know, it was just the, the free throw disparity. You know, when you have that big of a free throw disparity, you don't, you don't expect to win. There was, there was a big disparity. I also thought at least early on, maybe later, maybe later in the game, it kind of switched up a little bit, but early on, like Aztec players were mauling Lobo players and the rest were letting them get away with it. And I was like, that's totally fine. As long as like, that's consistent throughout the game and it's consistent on both ends right like however you're going to call the game as a ref as long as like the players can get a feel for it i think it's fine um if they start switching it up it's it's bad to your they point on like the, optics, switch in the it, first half yeah to, to your point on the optics it can go the other way too with like if you have a player like matt bradley get mauled on the way to the rim but like the ball goes in or is close they're gonna be like oh he must not have been touched that hard because if he was touched hard it, it, you know, it wouldn't have gone in, right? But Matt Bradley's 40 pounds heavier than the guys guarding him, so, like, they can tackle him, and he's strong enough to still let it go in, and they won't call the foul. So, like, yeah, like you said, the optics can be can be huge. It, it's the Shaq paradox. Shaq was probably fouled yep. every time when he played, when he, was in, when he was in the league, and he was just so much bigger and stronger than everybody that they just, you know, it had to be a real, real hard one to mm-hmm. actually get one called against mm-hmm. Shaq. Well, Dean has the same thing, too. Similar treatment. Yeah. The D, uh, he gets a similar treatment. Like he gets he gets mauled off ball, and they never call it. I've seen it like yeah. once this year where they where they actually called it off ball. Shoot, you, you know the other thing that made me upset was Udezi was Udezi has a fantastic ability, which like if he's on your team, you love this ability where he can elbow a dude in the in like the neck or the face, and the foul will be called on the defender. Right, like Udezi will hit you in the face with his elbow while he's going up for the shot, and then they will call a foul on somebody like Mensa or Ladi. And I'm I'm just sitting here like in awe that this is happening. And I'm like, if Udezi was on my team, I would be so about this because it's such a good way to draw fouls. But like, it's unreal. So that was, anyways. He's, I don't like he's to complain about the refs. I like him too. Amazing. Oh yeah, no, he's 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 one of those players that if he's on your team, you're gonna love him. And if he's not, he drives you crazy. He drives me crazy, at least. So, all right. So before we move forward, any last thoughts on the on the great win against New Mexico? I mean, the Aztecs are champions again, right? I think it's only 
it's the third time, right? It's the third time in the Dutch area that they've won a regular season championship. And it's the fifth overall championship when you combine regular season and tournaments. So Dutcher in his sixth year has won five Mountain West championships. That's solid. Like that, that'll do, I think, honestly, if you're averaging almost one a year and with a chance to get another one here later this year, if he ends up averaging one a year, I think it's hard to ask for much more than that. No, here, I hear a hypothetical for you. So should they mm-hmm. do the banner on senior night or should they wait till next season? Oh my gosh, I was thinking about this earlier because if you do the banner and that distracts everybody and then you end up losing to Wyoming, quad four loss right before the tournament. I mean, it's not going to affect the seeding, but like it'll, it'll affect the seeding of the, of the big dance, right, of the big tournament. That probably drops you a seed line, I would imagine. Um, and I was like, is there a way they can do it like after the game? Is that an option? I don't know. I think, I think they end up doing it. I think it's big for the fans to do it this year, and it's nice for the players to do it this year because if they do it next year, the players might not be here, right? They might be any, literally anywhere else, whether it's whether it's playing for another another college program, whether it's playing professionally overseas or NBA or what have you. I don't really think there's any NBA players on this team, but you know wherever they might be, like they might not be able to get here and celebrate that. And I think Dutch being a players coach. I think he wants them to enjoy that moment, and so I think they're they're going to do that, um, and hopefully they can just get locked in again after that and not not drop one. Yeah, I, Jacob and I were talking about this last night. I was at the UNLV game when they did it beforehand, and then they ended up losing that game to when they were twenty six and zero. It was the one game I came back from the East Coast from yeah. that year. It was brutal. Yeah, um, I think I think I, last night I was pretty like, eh, I don't know if I want them to do it, but. At least with it already being senior night, there's already pageantry involved. That's, that's different. True. That's different than a regular pregame ceremony. Uh-huh. So it's not like there isn't already going to be something there. So at that's least true. they can kind of tack it on to that. Whereas uh-huh. if it was just like any old regular season game, like four games left in the season, I think I would have. I think I would if I would have done 2020 over again. I would have pushed it to senior night and not uh-huh. have it be uh-huh. one of like, I think it was like, there was like four games left in the regular season or whatever at that point. Yeah. I think I want to push it to senior night because at least there's already pageantry, right? If that so makes it's a, sense. It's an That's easy way to point. kind of build it in there. Yeah, definitely. I really like that. So, all right. So again, great win, but I mean, the Aztecs got to turn it around real quick. They play Boise State. Good time for you. Six o'clock Pacific time on Tuesday. So a little bit, a little bit earlier game uh, since Ooh, it will okay. be in, uh, in Idaho. CBS Sports Network, uh, the Aztecs are up to 16 in Ken Palm and a season-high 15 in the net. Uh, Boise's 26th in Ken Palm and 29 in the net. Uh, they are 22-7, 12-4 overall. They just lost an absolute backbreaker to San Jose State. I cannot believe that they, mm-hmm. that they lost that game. But Ken Palm still has us projected to lose 68-66. Uh, the first meeting was a 72-52 win, but there was no Marcus Shaver Jr. in that game. So, you know, things are definitely... A little bit different. Jace Whiting won't have to take the take the beating of being on the Lamont Butler Island all game, where he was just miserable in that game, where I felt bad for him. So, you know, going into this one, Trone, what is your biggest concern and in, going into Boise State on Tuesday night? You know, I mean, Boise's kind of at elevation. I know you hate talking about elevation, Austin, so I apologize. But it's it's kind of at elevation. It's not as bad as like the pit, but it's it is there, right? It's it's 2,000 plus feet in the air. Hopefully Mensa's able. I thought aside from 
that fouling the three-point shooter at the end, I thought Mensa did solid yesterday despite being at elevation. So it, it might have been his best game at elevation. We were talking it. about that. It might have been his best game ever at elevation. That could be. I mean, I, I I think we'd need to go back and through everything, but yeah, it very well it very well could have been his best game at at elevation. Um, yeah, I don't know if my biggest concern would be can Mensa play well at elevation for the second time in a row, or like just Marcus Shaver in general. You know, th- there were a lot of Boise fans that were like, you know, when they when they lost at the Aztecs the first time that were like, it's a 20-point loss. Marcus Shaver isn't worth 20 points. And I was like, probably not, but is Marcus Shaver plus the flip of home court, because that's, you know, six points, is Marcus Shaver plus home court worth 20 points? Maybe. I don't know. Plus, they're going to be hyped. They're going to be amped after losing to San Jose State, right? And I think New Mexico was amped, too, after after they just lost to who they just lose to the game before. Was it Boise State that they uh, lost yeah. to? Yes, it was Boise State. Yeah, so like New Mexico was amped too, right? This was like their last big chance for, for something big. But I think Boise is also going to be amped. Um, they ha- also have some really good players, right? Tyson Degenhardt is number three on my on my uh, composite metric, so he's he's a beast. It'll be interesting to see if they have him guarding Mensa again. That'll be interesting. But uh, yeah, there are some things to worry about, but I. I don't feel overly concerned about it. Um, I'm not sure if that's because I th- just feel like the Aztecs are going to win or if it's because I don't feel a lot of like pressure revolving around the game because they have at least a share of the title and they can seal it at home against Wyoming. I'm not sure, but I'm not too concerned about much of anything. What's, what's your concern? I mean, the biggest, I think the biggest thing is just how motivated they're going to be, you know, at a yeah. place that's sold out. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, Shaver is a is a killer. I mean, that guy. I mean, that guy just does nothing but hit big shots. I mean, he's he was an Aztec killer last year. I mean, he. I mean, he's he is so clutch. It's so annoying how clutch he is, and he's just a really good player. And you know, I think Dagenhart's going to want to come back for a little bit of revenge um, because he did not have a good game against the Aztecs in San Diego. I mean, he he was in foul trouble pretty much the whole game. I don't even think he broke ten points. Um, but, you know, he's a really good player. You know, when he was a freshman last year, I was like, geez, this guy's going to be around for four years. Like, he, he's just, you know, he's a really good player. And then, um, you know, Max Rice has had a really good year. You know, it's, it's funny that you can give a lot of grief for him being the coach's son, and he never really put up statistics until this year. But, but he's had a really nice year. Uh, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see what tweaks Boise makes because I thought it was very weird that they went so small against us. Like, I, I thought that was a, a particular choice. Like, they basically played Dagenhardt at center, and, you know, we have enough big guys to kind of eat that up. So, you know, and Leon Rice is a good coach. So it'll be just interesting to see what's, you know, what kind of adjustments they make going into this one. They've been, you know, they've been doing that small lineup a lot. Just looking at their, their starting lineups here. I haven't followed them super closely all season, but just looking at the lineups, their tallest guy most every game is uh, six seven. Like that wasn't a thing just for the Aztecs. That's what they've been doing all season. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting, especially like because we, I, I know we both agree that like size in general is something that the Aztecs can struggle with, and I feel like they've been getting a little better at it as the year has gone on. But just in general, that's something to look out for. And so Boise State going small is 
is a choice to be sure. I think yeah. it, if, if, like you said, Degenhardt didn't even have 10 points last game. He had nine points. And so if he's able to like hit threes and space the floor and a guy like Mensa has to go out and chase him around, that can really change things, right? Cause you don't have your rim protector anymore, but if he's not able to do that, if he's in foul trouble again, or, or for whatever reason, the shots just aren't falling, then it might be a long night potentially. So it's, it's funny because Boise overall is an above average height team. So that I was like, so when I first were research, cause I haven't watched a ton of Boise, I'll be honest. So I was like, Oh, like they're above average height. Like it'll be tough, but they have three guys, six, 10 or over that are categorized as bench warmers on Ken Palm. Like they don't even play. So it's, I mean, it's just interesting. Like they must, feel that they just can't contribute at all because they're just benching all of their size. Two 6'11 guys and a 6'10 guy, and one of those guys is a senior. So it's interesting that they're just kind of very much leaning in to this, you know, going small and putting digging hard at that same. I mean, for a lot of teams that aren't as good defensively, him being at the five spot probably causes a lesser defensive team a lot of problems. And, you know, you can see why you would go to it strategically because it says here Dagan Hart's 242. Like, he's definitely... He's definitely built enough to handle the big he's, guys down low. Yeah, he's a strong dude. And it's not like he doesn't have a whole lot of a gut. Like, he's he's pretty well solidly built, I feel like. So, yeah, he, he can do a lot for sure. All right. And just what's your, what's your reasons for optimism going into this one? I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons for optimism, right? You got – we just talked about, like, Boise playing small could potentially, whether it's Mensa or whether it's Ladie or a rope, like, it could give – guys down low some opportunities to score and it seems like the Aztecs have been really trying to focus on that lately the New Mexico game maybe less so because they were packing the paint so much but that is a reason for optimism I think one of the big ones is Boise doesn't use their bench a whole lot I'm looking at their minutes for the last game and they had 32 bench minutes for their for their entire team uh they don't use a lot of bench players, right? And so their their top five, the Aztecs might be able to wear them out. And I think part of that, I know you're on you're on Evan Mio a lot, and Boise State starting lineup is like one of the top ten best lineups in the country, according to Evan Mia. So, you know, there's reason why they wouldn't use the bench, right? If your starting lineup is that good, you want them out there as much as possible. But Hopefully the Aztecs can wear down some of their starters with their depth and with even just that soft press that they like to do just to wear down the ball handlers and make guys like Shaver miss those shots at the end. I think those are some reasons for optimism. I mean, you can really see it across the conference. Some of these lesser depth teams starting to get tired. Yeah. I mean, you could even say, I mean, I didn't watch the Boise game, but you know, they went into overtime. That's for a team that doesn't play very many guys. Like that is, that's trouble. And the one thing the Aztecs do have, and they've really learned to use their depth in a much better way. Like that's just such an advantage going into this part of the season. And it's going to be huge in Vegas for the tournament. Like, you know, if they're the one seed and they're getting the maximized rest starts or times or whatever with the bigger bench, I mean, that, that just gives us such an advantage going into that tournament. And you can, you can see it like guys are starting to get worn down on these teams that really rely on, you know, one or two guys or, you know, you know, they play six and a half guys or whatever it is. Like it's, it's starting, it's starting to show a little bit. Yeah. But I think yeah. my biggest, you know, I think we match up really well against these guys. So I, again, just the, the small ball thing, I think, and this could go either way. I, I understand it could go either way, but I think they're going to play with a little, a level of freedom with just kind of knowing where they're at in the season that, 
could just, they'll just play with a, just it, like a weight off their shoulders almost, which in some ways, if it goes, it, it can go a certain way negatively, right? If they totally mm -hmm. lose focus or whatever, but it also can go in a way, and I think this, the way that these guys are kind of built and the way that they like each other and the way that they're very focused on kind of all of their different goals of just being, all right, like level one unlocked, like let's really lock in here and like win out the rest of the season and play with a different kind of freedom opposed to like just being really stressed out or just like, all right, like we have to win this one. Oh, we got to win this one. Like we're now just in the phase of like, all right, like everything's gravy and let's keep packing it on. And I, I think, we're, I think we could really see that side of the Aztecs on Tuesday. Uh, definitely. Hopefully. I do think it's interesting that like your optimism and your concern are basically the same thing, right? It's just like, which way, which way is it expressed, which is a hundred percent true, right? Cause it can, if they, if they're like, mission accomplished, let's go home. Like they could end up laying an egg here, but if they're like, there's still lots of things to play for, including your seed line in the tournament, right? They're they're. I think they're probably like, I, I mean, I'm not an expert, but I feel like they're pretty much guaranteed at this point, at least a six. And if they win out like the next two games, plus three in the tournament, like I would not be surprised if they end up with a four seed. So, like, there's still a lot of, of stuff to play for, for sure. And, and they definitely see the bigger picture, too, right? Like, they've kind of, yeah. you know, it's just they, they see the bigger picture. They're really good at doing the one game at a time thing. And, you know, they, they just want as much, they want as much cred as possible going into March because not only do they want to be seeded highly, but they also want to be in the West. Like, mm -hmm. I would rather be the number one five seed in the West than the last four seed going to New York. And so, like, those things all kind of matter. So you know, keep piling up good wins. I mean, this would be a quad one win on the road. Hopefully Boise can then take out Utah State and maybe win a couple games in the tournament to get themselves back into that quad one status for our home win. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think my, honestly, my biggest reason of optimism, I was just trying to pivot because we had talked about it a bunch. I mean, we just match up well against these guys. I mean, we can throw Keyshad, AG, Ladee, Mensa, all at Dagenhart. Like that's, that's a murderer's row of defenders and just throwing one after another after another and then having butler and tramel and seiko guard shavers like shavers like that's that's just such a good matchup for us for where our strongest defenders are and who their best players are and i think that is really you know we just match up super well against these guys yeah yeah definitely all right Trone. i, I mean that's all i got here on the rundown is there any any other things that you want to uh, talk about before we before we sign off here Man, I think, I think we're good. You know, I, I, at some point I'm, I'm probably going to do a tweet or maybe a pubcast later about like best case scenario versus going forward versus worst case scenario going forward. But I need time to figure those out. Right. Like obviously winning out is the best case scenario, but like what else, like who else do we want to root for to like maximize the return on all our wins? Right. Versus like, what's the way to minimize the return on all the wins in terms of, uh, like the quadrant system and winning those games and, and getting the best possible seed in the tournament. I feel like that's where I'm at right now, which, which, you know, hopefully the players aren't like that. Like you said, they need to be focused on one game at a time and, you know, win the mountain West tournament first. Obviously that's going to be big, but, but so much of my time right now is spent on like, they need to get as good of a seat as possible because it's been since 2015 that the Aztec team has won a game in the tournament. Uh, 
and it's it's they need to do one. And I do think this team is capable of doing it. Like you said, like when they're hitting, when they're on, when they're focused, they're really good. It's just a matter of can they do that for for the whole game and and miss out on those first half lapses like they had against New Mexico. So, you know, this this team is is capable of winning a game and maybe even two or three. Uh, and so just get as good of a seat as possible just to, you know, give yourself every reason to win a game, have better chances to win a game, right? That's kind of where my focus is right now. Yeah, no, I think those are, those are all great points. I mean, this team is definitely ascending. Like, this is a classic mm-hmm. Dutch mm-hmm. on the rise. Um, you know, even, even how they handle adversity is better than it was at the beginning of the season. Like, everything about this team is just getting better, and just keep it rolling. I mean, that's, that's all they got to do at this point. They just got to keep building on what they're building on what they've already, the foundation that they've done. And so far it seems like they're doing that. So, so yeah, with that, I think uh, we will sign off here. Um, Great win. Make sure to make it out next Saturday for Wyoming. We'll be beating that drum all week. Um, Other than that, go Aztecs. LFGSD.